T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back to KMOX at your service. I'm George Sells with you here on a Wednesday night. A lot of talk about the legalization of marijuana in recent years, recreationally in many states, medically in Missouri, and could recreational marijuana be next year? There are a lot of people that are working toward that end. One of them joins me now, John Payne. He is the director of the Legal Missouri 2022 campaign. John, welcome to KMOX. Thank you. Good to be here. Well, John, just tell me, first of all, uh, how does this launch? We've obviously, we, we saw this happen in Illinois right across the river from here. Uh, and we also saw the medical campaign, which you were a big part of, pass through uh, in Missouri. So how does this next step work? Sure. So it's uh, the same basic process that we went through with the medical marijuana amendment. Uh, last, uh, this, this August, we filed an initiative with the Secretary of State's office uh, and they, uh, it was about a 45-day period where they, they reviewed it, wrote summary ballot language. The attorney general's office reviews the language to look for any constitutional defects or that sort of thing. And the auditor prepares a fiscal note for it. And then they approve you for uh, signature collection. And we got that uh, approval back in, uh, I believe, about mid-October. Uh, and since then, we've started uh, getting petitions out to, uh, to signing locations across the state. Uh, and today we kind of had our first uh, official launch uh, of the campaign and unveiling the website, and, uh, sites where uh, the people can go sign, which you can find a map of those on the website, LegalMo22.com. Uh, and so from here, we have together about 170,000 valid signatures across six of Missouri's eight congressional districts and turn those into the state by May 8th. Uh, and if we do that, then we go on the ballot in November and people can vote on it. And uh, if we get a majority of Missourians to say yes, then uh, the, the adult use of marijuana will be legalized in Missouri in 2022. So I look at this map of states where it's legal, and what not all but most of them have in common is they tend to lean Democratic. They tend to lean blue. Missouri, of course, is not that. What makes you think that the timing is right for this in what is essentially a red state? Sure, and that's a, that's a great question. Uh, but we have seen it, and you're right. Uh, but we have seen it in plenty of states that uh, are red and redder than Missouri. In fact, uh, both Montana and uh, South Dakota, for instance, passed adult use legalization initiatives uh, in 2020. Uh, and uh, this is actually not an issue that is uh, uh, all that partisan. Uh, it, it certainly, you, you know, you're correct. It pulls higher with uh, Repu- uh, with Democrats than Republicans. Uh, with independents somewhere in the middle. Uh, but nonetheless, it, it appears that even a majority of Republicans 
nationwide and in Missouri uh, now support uh, legalizing the adult use of marijuana. Uh, so this is an issue where there's a partisan gap, but it's, uh, it's a lot smaller than people think. It's, uh, you know, only about 30 points or so. Uh, and so that, uh, that means that there's still a large, large chunk of uh, even conservative Republicans that want to see marijuana legalized. And what does your polling look like in Missouri right now? What 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 does the people of Missouri think of this? Do you think? Uh, so you know what we've seen is it's a very solid majority, north of sixty percent, uh, believe that marijuana should be legalized in the state, uh, and that's consistent with polling that uh, has been done in other states, election results from similar states, uh, and national polling. Tell me this: we've seen it happen before in Missouri where a constitutional amendment is on the ballot and somebody puts a different constitutional amendment on the ballot along the same topic, and it's they tend to be almost designed to gum up the works. And I was looking through the stuff that's being submitted through the Secretary of State's office, and I saw another marijuana uh a piece on the piece on that ballot, excuse me, and basically it was talking about legalizing it for everyone, including minors, and legalizing it to for people to drive while high. And we all know that nobody really wants that. So, what do you think when you hear something like that is also on paper someplace? What do you think? Uh, well, you're, you're right. It's it's on paper someplace, and that's uh, that doesn't mean a whole lot, uh, to be honest. Uh, you know, filing something with the Secretary of State's office, that's the easy part. Uh, you know, anyone can put down uh, a proposal, and as long as it doesn't have any obvious constitutional flaws uh, and uh, you've observed the correct formatting, uh, the, the state will approve it for circulation. The hard part of getting it to the ballot is the stage that we're in now, which is the gathering of signatures. And it takes a real, uh, a large organization uh, with a lot of people involved, a lot of volunteers, and a lot of financial support uh, together. The, you know, it's going to take about 330,000 signatures overall to get the 170,000 valid signatures, because a lot of them are disqualified for one reason or another. And it, it's just not, not many groups are capable of that. Uh, and so, you know, we're pretty confident that we're going to be the only uh, uh, one that has a, a chance of making the ballot, the only one that you're going to see on the ballot in November. Are you a little bit amazed at how this issue has progressed? Because I think about my time here in St. Louis and when I was first working as a reporter in this market, probably 13 years ago, I recall doing a story. Uh, a guy was trying to get medical marijuana on the ballot and he was an outlier. You know, he was that he was that guy that everybody looked at and kind of snickered and uh, it wasn't going anywhere. And, and nobody thought that it was very realistic at all. And we've gone from that in over fewer than 15 years to a point where medical marijuana is up and running. And it's not just like the crazy people in Colorado did it. 18 states have done this now. Uh, the way that this issue has progressed in people's minds has been just a blinding speed, it seems like. Yeah, I would uh, I would agree with that. And I've been very involved with this issue for quite a long time. And in fact, uh, I may have indeed been that guy uh, that you're referring to. He was older. Uh, than, he was much older than you. I just want to cut that off. He was much older okay. than you. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. But I've I've been working on this professionally since 2011, and uh, going back to my student days at, at Wash U, uh, starting in 2001 as a member of Students for a Sensible Drug Policy. And you know, at that time. Uh, even on campus, you know, people thought that this was a crazy idea. 
that was never going to happen, especially in a state like Missouri. Uh, so, you know, I, I've definitely seen that, and it took a long time. But uh, definitely the progress in, I'd say, the last eight years or so, uh, it, it's been very dramatic. And I, I think it's because uh, other states led the way. Uh, so, you know, after Colorado and Washington legalized uh, the adult use of marijuana in 2012, I think that really started to change public opinion that, uh, you know, the, the sky did not fall in those states. And, uh, in fact, uh, they were doing better, bringing in a lot of tax revenues. Uh, and so, you know, I think that changed a lot of people's minds. And then, of course, when we passed medical marijuana here in Missouri, uh, they could see it here. Uh, obviously, that's currently just limited to qualifying patients. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, if you go and you see, hey, there's a dispensary in my town, everything's still fine. And uh, that's it's contributing to the good of the community and uh, you know it's helping patients with their with their medical problems uh, then why shouldn't this be more broadly available for any adult who is of age to make that choice and there's another aspect of this the expunging of records how important is that to you I, I think it's a absolutely vital point uh, because you know it's we're, we're going to be legalizing this for for all adults and uh, people that have prior convictions for nonviolent marijuana offenses shouldn't have to carry those uh, those records around for the rest of their lives uh, while we're legalizing this for everyone going forward. Uh, so we want to make that process simple, and that's why we've made it not just expungement, but automatic expungement, where those records are expunged uh, for people without them having to file costly paperwork with the courts. So 2022, am I, am I correct in assuming you're going for the November ballot? Could you, could you repeat that? You I, broke up there for a I'm second. I'm sorry. Am I correct in assuming you're going for the 2022 November ballot? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Is, the, is it the advantage to that? You want the higher voter turnout? You want the folks that don't just vote in primaries? You want that large number of people to kind of, uh, you know, maybe the, the silent majority, so to speak, to uh, drive this through? Uh, so, you know, the, the way that this works is uh, uh, the you have to turn your signatures in for uh, six months prior to the election that you're seeking. And uh, really, the, the process is designed around the two-year cycles of the, uh, the congressional elections and the presidential elections. Uh, now, it is possible that the governor can move it up to the August ballot. Uh, there's some complications to that, but it is within the realm of possibilities. But really, when you do an initiative petition, you're always uh, seeking to put it on at, at a general election. Have you had any conversations with the governor about this? You know where he's standing. Uh, no, I have not had any conversations with uh, Governor Parson about it. Uh, you know, I, I, I we'll, we'll see what he does. It's, uh, that is his decision on uh, where where he puts it. But we're confident about uh, about our odds either way. All right. Well, John Payne from Legal Missouri 2022. Currently somewhere on Interstate 70 heading for St. Louis, I'm guessing, with uh, an event here tomorrow. Uh, they did a launch in KC yesterday, a launch in St. Louis tomorrow. Thank you so much for joining us, John. Yep, thank you much. 916 on KMOS. We're going to talk about this a little bit more in the next segment. If you have thoughts, give us a call, 314-436-7900. Or you can hit me up on Twitter, at George Sells. I want to know what you think legalizing marijuana in Missouri. You think it's realistic? Do you want it to be realistic? Good idea? Bad idea? We'll talk about it next. I'm George Sells, 917 on KMOX. 921 KMOX at your service with you about about 40 more minutes here. I'm George Sells sitting in on a Wednesday night in downtown St. Louis. And 
were with us the last segment. You heard from the folks who are launching the process here in St. Louis, actually tomorrow, the process of getting signatures to put marijuana, recreational marijuana, on the ballot here in Missouri. Now, the idea would be to get on the ballot for the November election uh, for an issue like this. They want to be on those ballots. They get bigger turnouts because you're, you're kind of taking your life into your own hands as, as an issue candidate when or, or when, you're, when you're dealing with a, with a small audience because a small group of people could put you over the top or a small group of people could knock you, could knock you out. If you've got polling that you like, and he, he claims there's 60-40 polling in favor of legal marijuana in Missouri. I've not seen that poll, can't verify it, just giving you full disclosure, but I've also got no reason to, to doubt that he's telling the truth. So that's what, that's what we're, we're being quoted. Uh, when you've got numbers like that, you want lots of people to come out because the more people that come out, the more that, you know, it's likely to go to the mean, to, to the true numbers. And that's what they're going to be going for. They've got to get, I think it's 178,000 signatures prior. Uh, they've got until May to do that. So you're going to probably be seeing people standing out in front of the schnooks with a clipboard. Next time you go to the library. Next time you go to the library or something. That's, that's, that, where, that I, that's, spot? that's where I always got hit. Okay. Uh, at least back Produ- in producer state. Jake with us, folks. We weren't with this last hour. Yeah, it was all. It was all. <laughs> it was always the uh, the library that got me. I would go there to rent a movie or so. That's all I wanted. I wanted. I wanted to rent Spider Man or something. I was going to be there for thirty seconds, and and then I get intercepted by the. And there are. Are you registered to vote in Missouri? And I always said no, even though that wasn't true. And it wasn't because I disagreed with anything you you were trying to pitch me. It's just I don't. I don't want to spend the time. <laughs> but this, but this was back when I was in high school and college. Still going to the library for my movies, which we don't need to do anymore. <laughs> but for me, it's always schnooks. It's, always the, it's never happened it, to me at a grocery it store. Is always, and here's how this works. And I, and I understand it now because the, if the deadline is May and they're announcing a campaign like this in December, this is going to be a winter thing. Oh, yeah. And how and many signatures always did you say they needed? guy standing in the parking lot at schnooks, freezing his backside <laughs> off, and you feel sorry for him. You're like, you want to give the dude a hat and a scarf. At least you can do his... Sign his paper. I mean, while the salvation—it's ridiculous. I mean, I'm not going to sign for something stupid, but for a lot of you know, I'm I'm that sucker. They they must see me from a mile away. I'm that sucker. Oh yeah, he's going to feel bad for me. I'm going to shiver it up a little bit. He'll sign, but um, it's this is an interesting topic though. And you're you're 24. Marijuana has been somewhat considered acceptable slash legit most of your adult life. It became legal in Colorado when you were 18. Something like that, yeah, whenever 2016 so, was. Yeah. yeah, so, and we were just looking looking at some figures here. Now, here is what proponents are going to say. The folks that want you to vote yes for recreational marijuana. They're going to tell, they're, they're going to point to Colorado. In January of 2021, uh, marijuana grossed $187 million in sales in one month. And the state is getting a major cut of that. I'm not sure the exact percentage the state is getting. But they also had this uh, this number. Going back the six years that it's been in place legally, recreationally in the state of Colorado, the state has brought in $1.6 billion, with a B, dollars in tax revenue from recreational marijuana. So... Now, there are a lot of reasons. The anti, 
you know, I, I come from the era, as, as most of you out there probably do, uh, where we were taught that this was part of the whole drug culture and say no to drugs and it's bad. And you're, you're almost like brainwashed that this is going to somehow leave you in the gutter on heroin or something. It's the gateway drug, they that's, called it. That's the phrase, the gateway drug. Uh, it has become more shirt and tie in the last six years, really, since, since Colorado legalized it. Uh, but those who, who would oppose this, they're, you know, they're going to obviously they're going to agree with, uh, you know, those who think it's possible that it could be a gateway drug, that it could cause trouble for kids. That is not that is certainly not a good thing. But my my point to them and I, I probably lean and, and I'm not a I am not a user. I am not a, a person who's going to go home and, and smoke a joint at the end of the night. But but I would lean toward being in favor of it. And the reason is this. Take a drive down any street in this metro area tomorrow. And at some point. You're going to smell at least a little hint of weed. Now. Take a look in the paper at all the stories you see about cash-strapped school districts, about cash-strapped city governments, about potholes that can't be fixed, homeless that can't be housed. And then think about all the think about all the pot that's getting smoked. If the state can get a cut of that, if the city can get a cut of that, I mean, it's going to get smoked anyway or eaten, or however people choose to go about ingesting it, it's going to be used. So why shouldn't some of it, some of the proceeds of that be going toward things that can help improve the community? Uh, Jeremy Boyer on Twitter tell, says, I don't really care if people smoke it medically or recreationally, but it smells like, and he shows the poop emoji, family program here, and when we were in California recently, you couldn't go anywhere without smelling it. It was gross and got old quick. I cannot say that I disagree. I mean, the, the smell doesn't bother me a lot, but it's just it's just that its presence is in some places doesn't work. I spent a lot of time out in California a few years ago, and I remember being in a Target parking lot at eight in the morning and just got hit over the head by the smell of it. And I'm like, it's eight in the morning. It's eight in the morning and you're at Target. Maybe he needed the little pick me up. You're blowing a dub at eight in the morning on like a Tuesday. I mean, what are you doing on. at Target at eight? Is Target even open at eight in the morning? Maybe well, that was an employee. The Target parking garage was the was the place that we rented parking spaces oh, where was, I worked. Oh, it was the garage. Yeah, it was the parking oh, garage. Oh, I thought it was like it. <laughs> it wasn't in the Target. It wasn't aisle six. Okay, because no. <laughs> you said Target parking garage, and I think the one on uh, on Hampton and Chippewa in South City. It's like it's got its own parking garage. No, this but is it's the Targets. This is the Hollywood Target. And you go in and you go under and you go way down this thing and it, the whole thing is built underground, this big parking garage, and you go into the store through there. Yeah. And, uh, and so, but the place I worked was down the street, and so we rented parking spaces there, and you'd park at the Target, and you'd walk down. And, oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, but it was like 8 in the morning in the parking garage, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, what are you doing here? But, yeah, think about it. If you, if you start drawing comparisons between that and alcohol, there's, there's probably some guy – having a drink at eight in the morning too. And, and I don't do that either, nor do I condone that either, but it's just, I guess. But if you had to pick one. And you can't smell it though. And that's to Jeremy's point, 
I, I think you can smell alcohol if you well, have enough of it. Not, not from a distance. <laughs> I mean, not from like you're out of my sight, but I can still smell yeah, it. You yeah, know, that's yeah. a, that, that's a little, that's a different animal right there. But uh, but I will say this, and, and I made this point to you off air. Uh, I covered news for 24 years, and I was the guy out on the street. I was the, I was the idiot on the overpass in the ice storm. I was the guy at the crime scene, you know, that that's what I did. And never once did I cover a homicide, for example, that was the result of the stoned guy started a fight. Yeah. Jack Daniels had something to do with plenty of those. But uh, but it was never you know, the stone guy was back in his apartment eating a pizza. <laughs> but, yeah, man. Or at the very least, he's still at the bar. But he's he's definitely not the guy starting fights. There's no way. Exactly. No way. My phone's talking to me. I don't know why. I, I somehow alerted Siri to my presence. <laughs> always listening. Always. always. Yeah. Well, that's that. That's another topic for another day. The weird <laughs> stuff that happens that you talk about and it suddenly pops up on your Facebook feed. I mean, how often does that happen to you? That like blows my mind sometimes. Uh, Alexa's listening to me. They're all listening to me. Okay, well, and you're listening to me, and we appreciate that. It's 931, back in a moment on KMOX. Nine thirty six on the dot, KMOX at your service Wednesday night. I'm George Sells with you until the top of the hour. Uh, coming up in just a few minutes, uh, we'll be joined by Kevin Wheeler. Wheels. Detroit's Wheels, Kevin Wheeler. We'll get get on here and talk a little bit about the uh, baseball contract situation. Uh, Baseball is closing down shop here in about an hour and a half if they don't have a deal. Uh, At 11.59 Eastern time, 10.59 our time, uh, they are going to uh, basically shut things down until they reach an agreement. And, you know, the question becomes, how long is this going to last? Those of you who remember 1994, uh, those were scary times for baseball. Baseball almost didn't make it back. Uh, for, the, for those who, who don't remember it, uh, the sport was reeling because people were mad. They went on strike. They lost a World Series. They lost the better part of two seasons, you know, half of one on each end, basically. Uh, it was just an ugly, ugly scene. And, yeah, really almost didn't make it back. So what are they going to do this time? Well, we're going to talk to Kevin Wheeler, find out. Uh, Before we get to that, looking through the uh, STL Today website and other local news sites, and one of the things that popped out is the fact that Spire is going to be raising our gas bills. Coming up here shortly, another thing that's going to cost us more. But I got to tell you something. Now, this, there, there, there is going to be nothing like journalistically balanced about this. I do not have an expert to interview. I did not call the Spire spokesman to get them to read from their talking points either. But let me just tell you as a guy who pays a Spire bill every month, actually a guy who pays two Spire bills every month, we have a business also, let me just tell you what I see. I see they get into a conflict with the government over their pipeline and it ends up in court with some of the environmental groups and the courts, at least for the moment, are ruling against them. I then see them come out 
with this letter I get, this email I get telling me, I mean, it's like they're whipping up all the visions in my head of last winter when the entire state of Texas froze over because the power grid went dead. And they're like, this could happen here. And I mean, for starters, we lived without that pipeline for a pretty long time. And last I checked, that never happened here. But now all of a sudden it's it's a risk. It's dangerous. So they're basically whipping up to your biggest fears they, ca- they catch a bunch of flack about it, both from listeners – or it's not listeners, from users, from customers, and from government agencies. You know, everybody's kind of raising their hand and calling bull you-know-what. And then what do they do? They double down. I got another email today from Spire. You know, oh, looks like the government may be coming to their senses and uh, getting us an extension through the winter, but they're also telling me they're going to raise my rates. And I just I find this very interesting that they have a they have a dispute over a pipeline that's making them a fortune, and that fortune gets put in jeopardy, and all of a sudden our rates are going up. Why? Because your lawyer wasn't as good as the environmentalist lawyer in front of the federal judge. Well, that says to me, leave me out of it. Go find yourself a better lawyer. One man's opinion. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they'll maybe they'll see see fit not to raise our rates in the middle of winter. Now, awfully convenient on that one too. But that's where things are with that. I know a lot of people are frustrated. I'm right there with you. It's 9:40. I'm George Sells, and you're listening to KMOX. And coming up on 9:46 in the evening, KMOX at your service. It's Wednesday night. I'm George Sells, and we are. One hour and 14 minutes to the expiration of the agreement between Major League Baseball players and Major League Baseball owners. Now, how nervous are you? This is kind of the question, for, I think, right now. It's it's so early in the game. Uh, these things do draw out. Uh, we've seen them go very bad in hockey a couple of times in recent years. Uh, younger members of our audience probably remember the hockey stuff, but the hockey stuff, they, they, they seem to work it out just in time without too much rage from the fans. Baseball, the last time they went through this, it did not go so well. Uh, most of you listening, if you're a baseball fan, remember this, of course, 1994, uh, the year that wasn't. It was the year the year that they lost a World Series. I mean, think about that. We can we can still get a World Series in a worldwide pandemic. Actually, they managed to do that twice, <laughs> but we, they did it in 1918 or whatever it was when they uh, when they had the the flu pandemic, and they did it they did it this past year. You can get you can get a World Series in a pandemic, but you couldn't get a World Series through that labor dispute in 1994, and that was rough. I mean, there were a lot of people who wondered if baseball was going to make it back. It was already kind of waning in the eyes of many people. Because baseball, when I was a kid, when many of you out there were kids, baseball was the sport, especially in a town like St. Louis with a storied franchise and a team that's always in the hunt. Uh, I know there were some lean years there in the 70s, but, I mean, you know, people, people were used to being 
champions around here. And, uh, and it, but baseball in a lot of towns was starting the way the NBA was, was really taking off. The NFL had really found its game. It's kind of, it's kind of like, you know, the NFL situation, uh, the NFL situation was one of those things where I equate it to the halftime shows. They almost overnight went from chubby checker to Prince or U2. They arrived, right? And uh, that was happen- That was happening uh, at that point. And that was happening at that point. Um, I just haven't lost my train of thought completely. Sorry about that. <laughs> Chubby Checker, you too. Yeah, quite a change. So football takes off. Basketball takes off. Baseball's suffering in the ratings. It was already petering a little bit in the terms of in the terms of some or in the eyes of some and all of a sudden they go on strike and people were like they made it through you know almost you know a good portion of you know the end of the season no world series the beginning of the following year and all of a sudden people were like there's no baseball and I'm doing just fine without it and nobody ever likes a production between Owners and worth billions and players worth millions. Of course, players weren't quite as wealthy back then. But it was a trying time. They came back and, you know, the two things that really kind of saved the game. Of course, you hear about Maguire Sosa here. That was a big part of it. But also prior to that, it was Cal Ripken breaking Lou Gehrig's record for continuous games, or consecutive games played. And, and that was, you know, people started following that, and that was like the, the feel-good moment that kind of brought a lot of people back. But I have friends to this day that never came back to baseball after that. And, uh, you know, so what happens this time? Now, I can tell you that uh, I was talking earlier with Kevin Wheeler, who I, I teased, Kevin Wheeler's coming, Kevin Wheeler's coming. And we're still trying to get Kevin Wheeler here. He texted me about 60 seconds ago, and... We're trying. We're trying to find him out there. Little connection problem. So we're trying to get Kevin. But Kevin is the one who's making me feel better because Kevin's saying, "Don't worry about it. I'm here. I hear you, Kevin. Hey, what's up? There you are. It's a miracle. Technology. We love it's it. It's not a miracle. I'm just dumb. I thought that. I mean, I, I just forgot that I told you I would connect via <laughs> our access unit, and I was thinking I was going to get a call, and I'm dumb. So my apologies. <laughs> no That's worries. my bad. Well, no, I just, I just, I just teed you up completely. I just told the whole story of '94 and how yeah. awful that was, and then I said Kevin Wheeler has been making me feel better by telling me not to worry <laughs> about it. So, Kevin, take the floor. Tell me why I shouldn't worry. All right. Well, first of all, you know these two worlds, Major League Baseball in 2021 and Major League Baseball 1994, are not the same worlds. Um, you know, if you look at 1994, there was no revenue sharing for Major League Baseball. Small market teams were on their own. Uh, they didn't get – there was no luxury tax. There was no money funneling to those smaller teams to protect them financially. In 94, there were actually teams that were struggling to to stop losing money. It wasn't as many as they said. You know, they made some stupid claim like half the league is losing money. That wasn't true. But, you know, the bottom third of the league was struggling financially. The Twins, the Brewers, which was Bud Selig's team. There were a lot of teams that they, they just couldn't keep up. And with, with, with revenues starting to grow and a lot of that really making it top-heavy, you know, with the Yankees and those types of teams being able to really assert themselves, that was a major problem back then. And that doesn't exist now. Every team is stable. Nobody's in trouble. The teams that, that cut payroll and tank, 
They just pocket a whole lot of cash. Um, the, the TV deals are guaranteed, locked in, and massive. Uh, the revenue sharing that's there makes sure that teams like the Pirates and the Twins and others are never going to be totally left out in the cold. So this isn't the same world as that. Um, this is a lot different. Now, it doesn't mean there won't be issues. And I know what I told everybody earlier, George, was, you know, don't listen to the nonsense for the next two months. Don't get caught up in every story like today. Today there was the one like, well, they, they got up from the table and left after seven minutes. So what? We all knew that this was going to be a lockout tonight. We all knew it. It hasn't. I don't think it's been officially announced, but we all knew this was going to happen tonight. And, you know, I saw a comment from Max Scherzer and a couple of other players. Scherzer's was pretty simple. He was like, look, you know, these two months, this, this doesn't really mean anything. And, and he and others, other players, Bryce Harper said this. Bryce Harper said, we're not going to miss a game. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing. But that's what he's saying. Say, look, man, you know, we've got our issues, we're gonna, but we're going to sort it out. We're not going to miss any games. You know, we've got two months, three months to do this. And, you know, the issues are pretty clear. And there's also some signs that ownership has moved a little bit closer to where the players are on a couple of issues that are critical. But, you know, the, the thing with this, George, is um, the, the sport is not teetering on the edge of anything terrible. Right. It's, it's very stable. What, what we're trying to figure out here is, the, you know, for the players' side, how do they get – players um how do you how do you get its players so that they're not going to have their time in the major leagues artificially manipulated by teams to keep them from getting to free agency because that's what teams do now with their prospects they always try to do it so that they'll they'll keep them for an extra year well you know that cost those players a lot of money right. over the course of time and the other thing they want is to try to find a way to build in some protection for all these teams that are tanking so that they can so to, or from that I should say so that teams are spending more and trying to compete because competitive teams are going to have a little bit higher payroll and I don't know how much they're going to succeed on that but I, 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 the way I looked at this is simple they're, what they're going to end up doing is the players are going to give the owners the extent the expanded playoffs which means the television packages are going to grow that's a lot of added revenue I mean we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars for growing the playoffs maybe even maybe even billions over the course of time. Um, so it's a big give there, and they're also probably going to give the owners a chip like, all right, we'll wear patches on our uniforms that are advertisements, and that's again another form of revenue. And then whatever will get cons- the DH. Yep, and, yep. The one. players are going to get the DH. There'll be some adjustments on service time and free agency, and what'll end up happening is the players will get some of the things they want, but it's going to be basically on the on those new areas that are open for revenue um, that they're going to give to the team. So it's going to be a tie, and we're going to have baseball in April. It's always been interesting to me that they can never that this is the one sport without salary cap, salary floor, because it seems to make that seems to make sense for everybody. It it keeps it from getting completely out of hand on the part of the owners, but at the same time, you put a floor in, everybody's spending money. It seems like such a simple thing. Every other sport is doing it. What can you tell me in forty five seconds why yeah. baseball can't figure this out? Well, two things. Number one. Salary caps don't don't do anything for fans. They don't do anything for the general public. They just guarantee that the owners won't have to spend a certain amount of revenue. Um, you know those those caps are tied to percentages of revenue in those other sports. So you know it, it's it's a it, it's partly too a, a thing where the union is just not going to give in on that because they never have. But the reality is they have a de facto salary cap with the luxury tax. So nobody's going to go too high because nobody wants to pay all the extra money that goes in there. It also only works in the NFL, George, because they share all revenues equally. There's no big difference between the Cowboys and the Packers. 
And Major League Baseball owners are not going to do that. The Red Sox, Yankees, Dodgers, there's no way they would ever agree to that. So that's part of the reason why you'll never see anything like that in baseball. The NFL. Yes, folks, the the most pure example of socialism in American culture much, yeah. is the yeah. NFL. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, all, we, all, we all want our free market except for sports. In sports, we want it to be equal and fair for everybody. <laughs> and we want lots of good and equal, fair entertainment. Kevin Wheeler, thank you so much for giving us a few minutes of your time on this Wednesday night. Have a good one. We you got it, man. Sorry about the confusion. I'm dumb. No, not even a little bit. Thank you so much, sir. That's Kevin Wheeler. You can catch him once again tomorrow night, Sports Open Line at 6 o'clock here on KMOX. That's all for me. It's been wonderful spending the evening with you. Again, my name is George Sells. Be back with you again soon. It is 9.56 on KMOX. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.